Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Confessions of a Debut Novelist with me, your host, Chloe Timms. In this episode, I'm talking to Claire Alexander about her commercial novel, Meredith Alone. Claire lives with her young family on the west coast of Scotland. As a freelance journalist, she's written about parenting, sobriety, mental health and well-being for publications including The Washington Post, The Independent, The Huffington Post and Glamour. Claire always thought she'd be a thriller writer, so it's interesting to hear her talk about how changing genre helped her create this novel. We also talked about what happens when your agent isn't so keen on your original title and resisting the urge to self-edit when you've got limited time to write. But first, here's Claire with an excerpt from Meredith Alone. As soon as we were teenagers, we were deemed old enough to take responsibility for the shopping and the cooking. Mama was more than happy with this arrangement, as long as we got the necessities. She gave us a list with the most important items written in precise capitals. White wine, silk cut, hairspray. We didn't dare forget any of those things, but beyond that, we had free reign. Mama's need for control didn't extend as far as the kitchen, so we loaded our shopping basket with our favourites from the frozen aisles. Pizza, Finda's crispy pancakes, those little smiling faces made of potato, huge bags of chips, Viennetta. Occasionally I'd chuck in some frozen peas to add some colour. Sometimes Mama sat in the window seat in the kitchen, a glass of wine in one hand, a silk cut in the other, watching us heat up our frozen delights. Early evening she was always at her least critical. She had that third glass of wine buzz, a full pack of cigarettes and both daughters right where she could see them. By the time dinner was over, the wine bottle was empty, scorn had replaced her silent observance and would be willing her to fall asleep. I'd do the dishes, Fiona would empty the ashtray and we'd turn off the lights and scuttle off to bed like mice afraid to wake the sleeping cat. Did you have a hard childhood, Mare? Celeste asks softly. I'm not sure, I reply honestly. I don't really know what other people's were like. She squeezes my hand gently but doesn't let go. And so we chat. I give her glimpses of my life with Mama about tiptoeing past her bedroom so as not to wake her about sitting in the bath for an hour, long after the water was cold because it was the only room with a lock in the door, about leaving at age 20 and feeling that my life could finally begin. It feels right to let her in, but only part of the way. I don't want to spoil it. 
Hi, Claire. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining me to discuss your debut novel, Meredith Alone. Hi, Chloe. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really happy to be here. So can you start by telling us what Meredith Alone is about? It's the story of Meredith Maggs, who is a woman approaching midlife. She lives in Glasgow. She lives alone, apart from her cat, our beloved cat, Fred. She works from home. I guess she, she spends, she would spend a lot of time alone and arguably is, is fairly isolated just from, you know, the way her life is. But her isolation goes beyond that. And when we first meet Meredith, she's not left her house for 1,214 days. So, yeah, a long time, more than three years. And the novel moves between the present day when she's in this self-isolation and has been in this position for a long time and various points in the past. And it's through those flashbacks that we learn what happened to Meredith and why she's in this pretty unique situation, really, um, why she's chosen to isolate herself from the world. And then um, the present day narrative, various things happen to Meredith and different people come into her life and um, we follow her journey as she does try to make that step out of her, her home and, and into the into the world. And I read that the idea started very differently and that it was more <laughs> of a thriller and Meredith is more this ominous character. So I was wondering whether, did the novel start with the character of Meredith how did it develop to this it's more a kind of a story that explores mental health and um, isolation and kind of family trauma and things so how did the idea develop then into this novel? Yeah it did start with I had quite a different quite a different picture of this this character it did start with Meredith and I think um, I've, I've been trying to write a novel for for decades actually which is really scary when I think about it because it, it reminds me of how old I am now but um yeah I would say over about yeah over, over you know 20 plus years I'd, I'd started lots of novels and and I'd never finished any of them for for various different reasons but they were always crime thrillers they were always they always had that that element that kind of psychological suspense and I think I always thought that's the novel I would end up writing so when I first started to think about this one yeah I, I was thinking about lots of different themes about isolation and loneliness and and this this character this this woman just popped into my head and at that point I knew that she was someone who hadn't left her house for a very long time but initially I thought there would be there would be more um I mean that you know the book as it is now you know it does go that it does explore some dark themes but yeah I thought there would be some kind of criminal aspect to it and that she might be you know a, a bad character you know there might there was really there would be something sinister about this woman and that's all I had initially and then the more I kind of thought about it she just wasn't going that way she just really she, she started to take shape in my mind and just started little bits started to, to slot in and I think I realized early on that I wanted to explore this woman I wanted to look at her past I wanted to think about her future and I really wanted to dig in deep and that it was just going to be more of a, a character driven story it was just going to be more emotional and it seemed 
it seemed fitting that mental health would be a big part of it and she just started to take shape and I started to really feel a connection with her in a way that I probably wouldn't feel connected I hope to (laughs) some kind of sinister bazzy um so yeah so it took a completely different direction and and as you know I didn't I didn't write a crime thriller (laughs) I wrote something quite different so was there a point then when you were writing it that you were like okay this is the one this is the book I'm gonna finish after all these attempts this is going to be the one idea that takes me to the end of the novel was there a moment when that thought occurred to you do you know I don't think I, I don't know if I ever thought that but actually the, the the reason that I really kind of tried to focus my mind and develop this character and try and come up with an idea for for a novel that had I guess had, that I thought had potential was that I was about to start an online writing course um a Curtis Brown course a six short six week online course um starting to write your novel and I'd never done anything like that before and it was something that that I thought about for a long time and and as I said I'd been trying for so many years to, to to finish a novel and I had all these unfinished manuscripts and I just knew I had to do something different so I thought okay I'll sign up for a course I'll see if that'll give me you know the that that'll make the difference and we didn't have to have a synopsis or it, we didn't have to have anything before the course, but I thought I would be doing myself a favour if I at least had a character and, you know, some vague idea of, of the story I wanted to write. So that's why I um, that's why I, I came up with Meredith and um, I just wrote a couple of scenes before the course started. And um, and that was it. Really, I hadn't I'm not a massive planner and I hadn't I hadn't really thought beyond this kind of initial this, this character of Meredith and. I didn't know at that point why she was in this situation and and how she would get out of it if she did get out of it. I think it really was I was just so invested in this character and I just wanted to it sounds a bit cheesy and you know in the past I've heard writers say oh yeah you know this character just took shape and kind of wrote her own story kind of thing and that I mean that is not what happened she did not write her own story. It was <laughs> if only yeah. <laughs> Um, but there was just something about Meredith that like even when it was difficult and as you know especially in those early drafts it it can just be so difficult to get those words out and it certainly wasn't easy um, a lot of the time but I really wanted to get to know her and I enjoy spending time with her in that way and I think that was probably the difference but I think also just the stage I was in my life with my kids and I guess the age I was as well I just really felt like I owed it to myself to 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 finish this and I didn't think beyond that I didn't think about you know I'm going to finish this and then I'm going to you know I'm going to send it to agents I'm going to try and get a book deal I just really wanted to finish the manuscript I wanted to be able to type the end at the end of a manuscript like that was my goal that was that really was the lifelong dream because I, I had never managed to do it I still think it's it's a bit of a miracle I actually did get there but somehow it just all it just all fell into place. Thank goodness it isn't one of those files that you left on your computer to languish unfinished. Yeah. Thank goodness <laughs> you got to the finishing line. So I'm imagining that you've probably been you've done a lot of interviews and things and and people have assumed which I know is wrong that you wrote this because of the COVID-19 lockdown that you thought 
I know I'll write a story about a woman that doesn't leave her house. And, um, but I know for a fact that you started this novel way before we'd even considered the concept of a lockdown. But do you think that being in lockdown kind of helped you, particularly like with the editing and stuff, to get into Meredith's frame of mind? Because kind of, I guess it's that being not trapped, but being enclosed in this one place and and being quite claustrophobic. Did that help you? Yeah, definitely. It was it was so surreal though that I'd created this character and I was you know, she was doing jigsaws and she was baking and she was connecting with people online and she wasn't leaving her house at all. Um, you know, she wasn't, she didn't even have her one hour a day exercise <laughs> to go to the park like, like we were allowed initially. And then a few months later, you know, I was actually the woman ordering jigsaws and trying to bake and neither of which I do as well as Meredith I think my daughter and I actually completed one jigsaw she's she's actually fantastic at jigsaws but I just don't have the patience and I certainly don't bake very well but yeah it was it was really bizarre um I kind of found myself in Meredith's shoes in a way um although our lives are so different in lots of other um lots of other ways but yeah, it definitely did help. There were a few times where you know, I was just bored or feeling a bit down about the whole situation. And I would think, you know, what would Meredith do? And, you know, Meredith manages. She, she deals with a lot. Her isolation is, is on another level. Um, but I also think where I was in the, the, the writing process when we first went into lockdown here in the UK, I think I was, I was probably about three quarters of the way through the first draft. So even just the, the, the fact that I was at home so much and didn't have the pressures of like social obligations and I wasn't taking the kids here, there and everywhere to all their activities, just had so much time in the house. I think that really helped me just crack on with it. And it was a focus and Writing for me has always been a form of therapy, even just having a couple of hours in Meredith's world, even though I was then writing about a world where she was isolated as well. I think that really helped me. It just really helped to have that focus and have that goal. And yeah, definitely. I mean, it's natural for people to assume that this was inspired by the pandemic or inspired by lockdown. But I think if we'd gone into lockdown and I'd then started to write a book, it would not have been about someone who was isolating. It would have been set in some far off land and everyone would be, you know, out and about. It would be, it would be more escapism, I think. And I wondered really whether writing a novel that's set mainly in one place, I mean, it does have flashbacks where you explore her past, but the majority of the present day strand of the story is set in Meredith's house uh, often her living room or a kitchen was it a challenge to kind of make that varied and interesting because you're always in one place yeah I think that was one of the biggest challenges because because yeah you just don't have the variety there and the flashback just helped so much with that and if I was I don't write my scenes in order which does not do me any favors whatsoever but it's just one of the ways that I work so so yes yeah, so I would make sure that I wasn't spending too long myself as the writer in, in the four walls of Meredith's home. It was quite a relief some days to 
you know, I would just say, right, okay, I'm, I'm just going to go back. I'm going to write a flashback. I'm going to have her, you know, at school or wherever, like out and about in Glasgow. And I think that that helped me from, that stopped me from just getting too kind of, I guess from feeling that I was just too much in her house. But that was definitely one of the biggest challenges. And that was something that we dealt with a lot in the sort of, like the, the later drafts and the editing process. I think for the readers, well, I mean, the flashbacks are, are so crucial to her story and they were always there, but I hope that having those flashbacks gives the reader a bit of a, a break as well from just that intensity of being, of being in Meredith's home because, you know, there's only so much you can say about, you know, our wallpaper or, you know, it's like, yeah, set the scene, but we need some variety here. And, and it was also, you know, there was never any question that the novel would be set somewhere other than, than Scotland and Glasgow in particular. I don't live in Glasgow, but it's the closest city and I spent five years there and like, it's just, it's my, it's my city really. Um, and I really wanted the novel to be set there, but it was a bit of a challenge at times to to get those flavours of the city into the book because because she's she's just in a house. So yeah, the flashbacks and and then other scenes that I don't want to give too much away, but that was great to be able to just get a little. It's, it's not a novel about Glasgow the way other novels are, but I wanted to have those flavours of of the city in the book. And you mentioned there that you don't write chronologically. You kind of are maybe a more of a mood writer you kind of write what you feel like writing and what you what you feel like writing on that day or you're interested in writing so is that how you approach it you just kind of wake up one day and think okay I fancy writing this today or I've got a scene in mind I'm going to write that and see how it goes and then stitch it all together afterwards is that how your process works yeah definitely it's a it's a bit like a jigsaw actually it's like random scenes and then kind of try and try and piece them all together you know I wish I was more of a planner I wish I was more organized and I'm always in awe of of writers when I that I hear kind of describing their their planning process and you know I don't know how you work Chloe but some of them have spreadsheets and this kind of massive like intricate post-it note thing on the wall and I'm yeah I just I just don't really work like that but I am trying to be a little bit more more of a planner with book two because it's very different this time round I've got deadlines and I'm not just writing for myself I'm writing for other people and there's you know there's so many other aspects to it now so I have tried the last few months to be a bit more a bit more of a planner but I guess it just doesn't come naturally to me I think I I like to just kind of feel my way along and yeah I don't really know what's coming next which is not good for my anxiety levels <laughs> I try to maybe like I, 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 I always know kind of what scenes I'm going to try to write maybe over the next week or so and you know I'll have a little list and then it really is just a case of like which one of these do I want to write today and which one am I just going to put off for another wee while because I just did not want to try and tackle it so that yeah that's how I work but it's amazing how different we all are isn't it in our in our processes oh yeah I mean like you said I think all of us that are trying to work on our second book now are maybe approaching it in a slightly different way I know that, uh, I mean, this might horrify you, but my plan for my book two is 8,000 words long. So uh, I'm really trying to, yeah, I'm really trying to knuckle down on the planning side because I did try and plan my first book, but it just went off in 
its own direction. So I thought a plan might help me this time, but I don't know whether I'm kidding myself a little bit. But at least you've got eight thousand words of a plan. I mean, that's <laughs> all. That's, that's that's you. You, you know, you've got a real long plan there. I just I don't have any words of a plan. <laughs> <laughs> So I want to touch a little bit on some of the topics in the novel because mental health is such a a big part of the novel and you're dealing with quite sensitive topics, topics that you have to handle quite carefully. So I was wondering when it came to Meredith's sort of state of mind, what kind of research you did to make sure you were telling her story in the best possible way? I definitely drew a lot on my own experience. I've never been in Meredith's situation and I haven't experienced her trauma, but I have experienced anxiety and depression, difficult relationships. And I've had I've had lots of different types of therapy over the years. I've taken medication. And I do think that that lived experience can be so useful, especially when you're writing a character driven novel. But at the same time, I was very sensitive to the fact that I was writing about topics that could potentially be quite triggering for a lot of people so I relied on a wonderful therapist and two brilliant social workers just to stop me veering off track too much but I think it's it's a fine line because when you're writing fiction you know at the end of the day it is fiction and I've, I've created this character and she, she she's not in the real world in that sense but also I'm not a mental health professional far from it and her experience has to be authentic. That was really important to me. Like this could actually happen to someone and how she deals with it and the professional advice she gets and the process she goes through, both in terms of her therapy and then um, with other elements of, of the services she gets. It was really important to me that that was believable. But I think what's really, what's also really important is that there's no one size fits all when it comes to mental health and we all we all deal with things differently and 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 different forms of therapy you know one one type of therapy could be just a huge turning point for someone and then the next person it may not work at all and I think that's I think that goes for trauma as well we all deal with it in different ways and on different time scales as well so what works for Meredith might not work for everyone but I hope I struck that balance between this a fictional story that also I didn't want anyone to read to read part of it and think well that would never happen you know but with the disclaimer that I'm not an expert I'm only an expert on my own mental health and her family relationships are probably a trigger for her and a, a, a challenging aspect of her past but one of the positive parts of her life is the connection she has with friends and she speaks to people online and she has a kind of support group there but also she has this uh, guy that comes to her house who works for a charitable organization to try and make people a little less lonely so I was wondering whether you could tell us about these more positive uh, people she has in her life. Yeah so I mean she's got her best friend Sadie who's been there since they first met when they were young teenagers and Sadie's she's really been there for her through thick and thin but and she'll always be there but early on in the novel Meredith forms two new friendships and they play a huge role 
and her story. And um, the first one's Tom, who's a volunteer from a befriending charity called Helping Hands. And he's really important, I think, firstly, because Meredith hasn't had very positive experiences with men in her life for different reasons. But also, he's just so patient and understanding and she really trusts him early on. And that's crucial for her. And I mean, Tom's just like, I'm just, I'm a little bit in love with Tom. (laughs) (laughs) He's just, I think he's just like the perfect man, flaws and all. Um, And a few people have actually messaged me about Tom specifically. Like a couple of my single friends who read the book were like, I need a Tom, like, where am I going to find So, yeah, so Tom's amazing. And um, and then there's Celeste, who Meredith meets through an online support group that she's actually been involved with for quite a while. But Celeste then comes into the group. And I think they just have kind of an immediate connection. Um, they've got a lot in common. And Celeste is trying to navigate her own trauma. And um, I think one of the things that's at the crux of that relationship is that Meredith sees how she can help Celeste get through her trauma and by doing that Meredith actually becomes stronger herself Mm -hmm. Um, and then of course she's got Fred her adorable cat who um, I think is a great example of how therapeutic animals can be as well I wanted to kind of explore those new friendships and I think there's a lot to be said for online friendships and and she does she does meet Celeste in real life but I think those online connections I think sometimes you can you can open up to people online in a different way and even though you're not together face to face um or not there in person I think sometimes you, you can you can be more honest and you can just really put everything out there when, when there's a little bit of distance so yeah Celeste becomes a really a really good friend as well and uh, yeah they're both they both help Meredith get to where she needs to go I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? 
For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And because your book has a overall a kind of hopeful and uplifting sense about it I was pleased that you didn't go down a route where Celeste wasn't who she said she was and that's probably stepping back into your original idea and thriller territory where people have an ulterior motive but actually both Tom and Celeste are genuine and there's never a point where they they uh, suddenly turn into you know someone that's gonna make Meredith's life harder which I think she needed you know she's she has a a very difficult relationship with her family and she needs the to see the the good side of people and thankfully Tom and Celeste do that yeah definitely I mean I think it would just have been too much to mm. have to have thrown that in the mix you know this woman when she was a young girl and kind of well throughout her life like she's 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 dealt with some pretty hard stuff so I just I couldn't I couldn't have done that to her that would just have been too much it's like yeah how much how much more is this woman gonna take so yeah it was important to me that there was just that that connection and that trust there and it, and it you know it still takes it still takes her a while to to kind of you know really bring them into her life because she has kept people at arm's length for so long but no I, I could never have I, could, I couldn't have made them bad that would just have been that would just have been cruel I think. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about your writing life because I know you've been when you've given interviews and stuff before you've talked quite openly about your very busy family life and your role as a working mum and I know there'll be people listening who are wondering how do you balance your busy home life with your writing life so do you have any advice for anyone that's in a similar position that feels they just don't have time to write? It's funny though, actually, because when I think back over over the years, and you know, when I was in my twenties, I had my first, I had my son when I was thirty. So the whole of my twenties, I really was just, you know, I didn't have any responsibilities, and I had all the time in the world to write a book, and and I didn't. <laughs> And then I guess the next day, the next decade was 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 a bit hectic with two children close together, and then I went through a divorce, and I didn't really have yeah it was all it's all a bit of a blur to be honest. But yes, yeah, I, I do find it crazy that probably at the, the busiest time in my life where I really it was such a struggle to find the time to write and to find just that you know that hour or two in the day to. To, to try and well to take it for myself for a start but also just to focus focus my mind and and get the words out that was when I actually managed to do it and that was when I finished it I, I think I work much better under pressure I really do and again that's just not good for my that's just yes yeah, it's, it's not good for my anxiety levels but that's it is what it is but yeah I think I work better when it's just kind of I don't know like nearing crisis point um, I don't know what that says about me but yeah so I think I have been asked I've been asked that question a lot and my top my, my advice is just to write you know just we can all find half an hour even or an hour a day and for me I had I did have to be quite disciplined I had to take 
take my apps off my phone and not turn the telly on so like the kids are in bed I've got a couple of hours I'm not going to watch Netflix that's all I want to do but I also really want to finish this book because this is something I'm just doing for myself um so I wouldn't turn on Netflix and I would just write and the word count starts to build up even even just an hour or two a day or, or less you know if you don't have an hour just just write and just just get those words down and a turning point for me was when I realized that I've got a real tendency to self-edit I think because my day job my you know my regular job as a freelance writer so so that writing articles um it does involve a lot of self-editing and obviously it's short pieces 800 to 1000 words and I want to get it to my editor in the best shape possible but you can't do that when you're writing a, certainly not when you're writing a first draft because you, you know I would never have finished it I would just be going back over what I'd written back over and I did that early on and I just I, I had to I had to stop myself from doing that I had to be really strict about it just get your words down write your scene and then put it and then that's it like don't go back to it go on to the next one so I think that's also good advice you know don't if you're working on a first draft it doesn't my agent actually, um, she said to me once, your first draft's not supposed to be good. And I was like, wow, that's great. That's really, that makes me feel so much better. Um, I mean, you you want it to be quite good. <laughs> you don't want it to be terrible, but it just took the pressure off. You know, you just, you just have to get the words down. And if you've got 70,000 words that you think, you know, you think the vast majority of them are just pretty mediocre at best you've you've got 70,000 words that you, you can then edit you can work on you can't edit zero words mm. um so yeah so I think it's twofold I think just grab those little times where you can write and for me when we when I was writing the end of the first draft and we were I think we'd just maybe come out of the first lockdown and restrictions had been lifted a wee bit and certain things were back on and I was starting to take the kids you know more places and my son um he he's a swimmer and he trains with local swim team and so basically another of my jobs is a taxi driver and I just spend, <laughs> spend a lot of time um a lot of time taking him to and from the the local swimming pool but at that point parents weren't allowed in to watch so I would just I would just sit in my car in the swimming pool car park and it was the perfect time to write you know I had an hour an hour and a half I was in the car I didn't have any of the other distractions of laundry and you know all the rest of it so I would use that time to write and it was actually really um it was really useful so yeah I think it is just if you've if you've got a really busy life for whatever reason lots of other commitments I mean a lot of a lot of debut authors you know they still work full-time and we've all got so much going on with families and you know we've got we've, we've got lots of lots of other commitments you just have to carve that time out for yourself whenever it is and then get the words down and just don't don't go back don't try and and make them better at that point or you'll never move on so you've given us a little bit of advice that your agent passed on to you so I was wondering whether you could tell us how you got your agent I had to when I finished my first draft um as I said earlier like I didn't really have a plan I didn't really think about what might come next but you know, I'd I'd finally written a book, so I thought, well, you know, I might as well see what people think of it. I might as well send it to some agents. What do I have to lose? So I made a little, I made a little um, list of of agents that I, that I knew of and that I'd, I'd 
I'd seen being interviewed and I thought might be a good fit or you know they just kind of appealed to me on on some level and um Juliet Mushins at Mushins Entertainment she was she was she was top of my list so I sent I did I did spend a few months kind of working on the first draft because it wasn't great and you know obviously I wanted to get it in as best as best shape as I could so I spent a few months polishing and then I decided right you've, you've you know you can't do this forever so it's time to send it out so I sent it to I think half a dozen agents oh that way it was just so oh my gosh it's, I, when I think about it, it was so long ago now but I still get a little belly flip when I think about I think about that way we're getting a response anyway I was lucky I got two um I got two requests for my full manuscript one of whom was was Juliet uh, no I got th- I got three requests for my full manuscript um, and then I got two offers of representation. So it was Juliet and another agent. That, that, I mean, that in itself was just, that was just crazy. It was like, what is, what is going on here? Um, but I think I always knew that Juliet was, was just going to be a good fit. And I just loved, um, I loved how passionate she was about the book and also the feedback I got on it and, and how she saw us kind of developing um, the story before it would be ready to go out on submission like I felt like um, I felt like we were we really were on the same page so so yeah so that that all happened um, it was almost a year to the day after I first started writing the first draft um, it was October October 2020 um, I signed with Juliet and then we spent the next few months polishing and you know, making some changes um, before it went out on submission, which I think was March or April, March 2021. I've completely lost track of years and time. <laughs> that know, whole thing, isn't it? <laughs> Where did that time go? I still don't know if I've got that right. I think I have. Can you remember how long it took between you sending out your query to Juliet and her coming back to you? Was it quite a quick process I mean I know the wait felt like a long time but it was was it actually a long time no it, it was fairly quick um although looking back now I think I actually I think I submitted it a really bad time I think it was I think it was maybe just before Frankfurt book fair which is that's October isn't it mm-hmm. I think yeah. it was maybe maybe it was a good time I don't know well it it was a good time for me it turned out to be a good time for me but um, yeah no it didn't take too long um but I got the I got my first offer before Juliet had got back to me so I emailed her just to let her know that I had this other a bit of competition (laughs) yeah uh um and then after that she 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 got back to me she got back to me pretty quickly um we had a little zoom chat and then um she gave me the weekend to kind of think it over which I didn't really need but I thought yeah I'll just play it cool I'll take the weekend (laughs) (laughs) so yeah I I was lucky I think I didn't have to wait too long although there are agents I submitted to that I still haven't heard back from so I don't know what happened there but yeah I've heard so many stories of emails going into spam folders and one hearing like 18 months later from someone so you never know (laughs) because actually your book had a different title didn't it because Juliet recently wrote a blog post about novels that she had worked on that had originally got a different title when they you'd worked together and come up with a new title which I find so fascinating and I'll link that actually in the show notes because 
I don't know about you, but I I think I'm terrible at titles. Oh, and I'm so- a, lot of, a lot of the time, titles do change, whether it's the agent or the editor that has some input in into what they think a more successful title will be. Um, so yeah, the the whole title thing is is fascinating. Yeah, I mean, oh my god, I actually cringe now when I think about. So the original title was Angel Face, which if you've read the book, you'll understand that reference. And I thought it was an amazing title. Like I, <laughs> I thought, oh my god, this is wonderful. And that was the title from like really early on in, in the in the writing the first draft until I went until I, I signed with Juliet so this was my title for a year mm. um, and I just thought it was I just thought it was fabulous I thought it was great and then Juliet was like mm, I, th- I think we need to have a rethink about titles and I think my initial response was a bit like like what 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 what's wrong with this title can you not see what I see <laughs> well, now I think about it I do think angel face that it it's more of a sinister vibe like there's definitely yeah. a kind of real mm. killer thing going on there so yeah it clearly was not the amazing title I thought it was um but yeah that was a bit of a that was a bit of a panic a panic situation when I realized I ha- would have to come up with a new title but we just kind of brainstormed and and I actually came up with Meredith alone which I'm pleased I'm pleased that I did although I think you, you just you have to be open to mm. you know if someone else had come up with an amazing title then obviously I would have gone with it but I, I don't know it was like this is my baby and I'm gonna name it <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah I do I find titles really tricky mm-hmm. I do and the book too that I'm just almost finished the first draft we still don't have a title for that one um but you know the, the clock is ticking like the pressure is on to get a title so I'm hoping it'll just it'll just come to me um or come to someone else and I'll <laughs> let them take the credit <laughs> well finally as we just mentioned book two I was wondering whether you could tell us a little bit about it yeah so oh my god the nightmare book two <laughs> I know you've just finished the first draft so it's it's still early days but can you give us a little tease about what it might be about yeah so um I guess similar to Meredith alone it looks at complex family relationship at the at the heart of this one our mother-daughter relationship more than one with Meredith you know her She's got a really difficult, complex relationship with her mother, but I feel like the relationship at the heart of that book is the relationship between the two sisters. It's Meredith and Fee. It's their relationship. Book two, unnamed book two. It's it's mother daughter, and I really wanted to. The main character, she um, is also a woman approaching mid mid age. She lives in Glasgow, but she's she's very different from Meredith, whereas Meredith has all the time in the world to do her jigsaws and bake her cakes and you know um Kat who's the, the main character in, in book two single mom of a toddler and a teenager and she just and she works as well and you know life's a struggle for her in lots of different ways and I really wanted to kind of explore motherhood and and I suppose single motherhood specifically um and again I've I'm a single mom and I've brought some of my own my own experience to that um it's about identity and how our past shapes us this one there are different narrative perspectives um and there are flashbacks but the 
go back to the 1970s in Ayrshire and also in Ireland. Yeah, basically Kat finds out something about her mother that's a massive shock. And it just throws so much, it just throws her entire sense of herself into question. And she then tries to she tries to piece the past together to kind of figure out who she is. And her mother's there and but her mother, her mother, I don't want to go into I don't want to give any spoilers away. And I'm also aware that things can change quite a lot between the first draft and the second draft, I suppose. Kat's mother's not able to to really help her too much with this mystery I guess so she has to she has to kind of figure it out on her own so so yeah that sounds like a bit of a <laughs> a bit of a rambling um a rambling summary of it but um well as we know that's what first drafts are meant to be yeah. and I'm yeah. sure by the end you're going to have a beautiful polished novel and I'm really looking forward to meeting your new characters Claire thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today Thank you for having me, Chloe. It was such a pleasure. That was Claire Alexander talking about her commercial novel, Meredith Alone, which is out now and available to buy. Thank you so much for listening. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Or if you've subscribed already, it'd be great if you could leave me a review. See you next time. <laughs>